five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Thanks for being with us on the ride home today, or whatever it is you're doing wherever you are. Uh, the great P-Man here with you today. Ben Byron producing the program. Mississippi with some production assistance uh, today, I believe. So uh, thanks to everybody for their uh, hard work uh, surrounding our coverage of the Pirates and sports and ENC and uh, of the Patrick Johnson Show. It's nice to have you along. I'm stoked. We're going to have West Durham with us uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we'll talk uh, about the Panthers and Falcons, some NFL with him. Of course, Wes calls the games uh, on radio for the Falcons. has done it for the better part of two decades. We'll also get a hold of Wes as we'll talk to him about uh, things going on around uh, the ACC and college athletics. So uh, looking forward to having Wes Durham on the program. Right now, uh, we'll get to our ECU Daily Pirate Report with the Pirates getting set to take on BYU. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. East Carolina hits the road tomorrow afternoon. They'll take off and head to Provo, Utah. A lot of great reaction to when we had the guys on uh, yesterday that are driving the equipment truck out there. Uh, We understand they got there uh, and everything's good, so that was really, really cool. Uh, great to have those guys on. It was a lot of fun. All right, let's jump right in. Uh, this is Coach Houston talking about uh, being prepared for a hostile environment against Brigham Young. Friday night. So, uh, you know, certainly, you know, playing in that setting, you know, we're playing a program that's got great tradition uh, and, you know, has, has been, you know, at a high level for a long, long time. And, you know, uh, Lavelle Edwards and what he did there. And uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's a place that's got a lot of history. So, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with the game Friday night. Uh, you know, we, we expect it to be a hostile environment. Uh, we've done our best to prepare for that. Our kids are excited about the matchup. Uh, and, you know, it's the next one, so it's the biggest game biggest game of the year. You know, it's, it's the only one we got this week. Daily Pirate Report. We're hearing from Coach Houston now. Some comments made uh, yesterday following uh, practice and uh, the importance of uh, health and recovery this late in the season. Let's hear what Coach has to say about that. That's probably as important as the practices. You know, Herb and his uh, his staff in there they do a great job. But it's uh, you know it's a lot of treatment for guys that have bumps and bruises. But then you know the recovery aspect this, at this time of the year. You know, it's doing a good job in the uh, you know hot cold contrast and the moon boots and all the stuff he's got in there to help get your legs back. I mean that's that's vital right now. I love the answer to this question about having to adjust to the harsh cold weather conditions. I think it's going to be 53 is the high Friday. I was looking, it's probably going to be high 40s at kickoff. Uh, so uh, I've talked to the kids about it today. I asked them if that was going to be an issue. They told me it wasn't. I mean, I've won some games in 13 and 14 degrees before. So, you know, we should be fine. If we were a soft friggin' bunch, I'd be worried, but we're not. <laughs> I love uh, I love that uh, answer to that question. If we were a soft friggin' bunch. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh BYU, a sizable uh, team. This is a big group. Mike Houston uh, talking about dealing with the size of the Cougars. 
That's, that's who BYU is. And I mean, you know, the size on their offensive line, the size of their defensive line, you know, probably as big as we've seen this year. Uh, and that's, you know, how they built the program and built the team. So uh, it'll be a great challenge. Uh, you know, we've, uh, we've talked about that. We've, we've challenged our players. Uh, and so uh, they know what they're getting into. Pirates have a challenging set of games uh, coming up in the next uh, couple of outings on the road with uh, this week, Friday at BYU, the open week, and then uh, the following Friday, the 11th of November. They will be uh, at Cincinnati, who I, I think is uh, right now the, the team to beat in the American. So Mike Houston, uh, looking forward to that challenge. Well, it's, you know, it's yes and no. I mean, I've just said it before. I'd, if you give me my choices of where I want to play, I want to play in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in front of our fans. Uh, you know, that's, we're fortunate to have just an incredible home atmosphere and, and great support and a great venue. So that's where we want to play our games. But, you know, if you want to have special seasons, you know, you got to be, you know, great road warriors. And so the challenge is for us to, you know, go on the road and play the way we have the last couple of weeks at home. Any lessons that can be taken from the prior two road games of the season for the Pirates? had two. Uh, one turned out pretty good, one did not. So uh, we know what we want, we know what we don't want. We talked about that today. So, uh, yeah, I think the kids are motivated to make sure that uh, yeah, we don't have a repeat of the last time we were on the road. All right, uh, to Donnie Kirkpatrick now, who talks about heading into the atmosphere that the Pirates will be dealing with uh, at Brigham Young. In they have Rome. a good atmosphere. They'll, it'll be packed, yeah. They support their team there. They've been good for a long time. It's a national, you know, brand product and uh, good student section. And, uh, you know, Friday night games, I think, is kind of their deal. Uh, the night games, they kind of live for those. And they've always played a lot of Friday night games. I don't know if that has anything to do with uh, the school or, or, or whatever, but I know they always have a lot of Friday night games, and it's always packed. So uh, they're really nice to you when you get there, and then they get really rowdy. Uh, as the game gets going on, because they want to win, so it's a it's a good it's a good atmosphere for football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, the elevation is something that the uh, Pirates may have to uh, contend with. Here's uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick on that. I think the elevation out there is probably just like what it is in the western part of North Carolina, a little bit like that too. So I don't think it's going to be a factor. I think that's something that they probably promote. They want you to think that. I know I spent some time obviously in Boone coaching at Appalachian State. We put every wall had a sign up about the elevation and all that stuff you know especially in the visitors dressing room which was a sight job you know and it worked to some extent but uh, having played there one time I'm obviously not an expert but I don't remember anybody ever mentioning anything about you know the air being too thin to breathe breathe or anything like that we're hearing from Donnie Kirkpatrick he talks about the Pirates offensive output against uh, Central Florida this past Saturday five games we've lit it up now you know what I'm saying and so uh Last week we had, if you don't count the kneel down, which was one play, eight possessions. We scored six of them. We did try to clang one off the goalpost again just to see if we could do it, and I guess we could. So we didn't ever punt it one time. So, yeah, you feel good about that. Now, when you come back in and you look at it, there's still a lot of things you got to correct. It's just more fun to correct them, you know, when, when you've had a win like that. But it was, a, it was a great team victory. They are a good team. I'm sure they'll prove to be a good team, too college game right now is getting to the point where it's just just hard to to play your best every week and there's just so many other good teams there's really not a lot of any bad teams anymore you know the team the bottom of your leg can go and almost beat the top team anymore you know and sometimes they do so uh but it was good 
Coach's impressions of the BYU defense, which uh, has had some points hung on it at times. Yeah, we felt good about that. Uh, you don't get to enjoy it long. Uh, you know, you get home at midnight or whatever it is, and, you know, you stay up as long as you can to try to enjoy it because you, the next day you come in, you put the film on, and there's 25, 26-year-old grown men that are huge, you know, that you're getting ready to go play against. And it's a proud program. It's a national, like I say, it's a national program. It's a program that was ranked 12th in the country not that long ago. Now, they've had a ton of injuries. They have had a ton of injuries. And, uh, you know, probably they'll all be back this week is probably the way you have to prepare for that. But uh, I know they're going to respond. So it'll be, a, it'll be a great challenge. But it's what you do. That's why you do this, because you like that. So BYU's made some changes to the play calling on defense. Kalani Satake, the head coach, has taken over the call of the, uh, of the defense, calling of the defense and calling of the plays. This after kind of uh, endorsing or standing up for his defensive coordinator when they, uh, in the aftermath of the loss at Liberty, where they were blown out and hammered 41 14. And Arkansas hung a ton of points, 52 on them, and then hung uh, a lot of uh, yardage on them. I mean, just churned out a, a gargantuan amount of yards. So they've made that change. Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick uh, discusses how that could change some things. But I, I got to figure, you know, because we research them. You research the coordinator. You research the head coach. The head coach is a defensive guy. So you got to figure the guy wasn't running the defense that the head coach didn't know or didn't like, you know. And for him to be able to go right back in and take it over in one week, obviously he's been very involved in that defense. So I don't think they'll change much. I know he had a comment that we're going to simplify it. Now, they run a lot of schemes. Uh, we've had some other teams that we said did that as well. They run a lot of different defense. They play a lot of different guys. Coach Kirkpatrick on the uh, complexity of the uh, BYU schemes. Even before they were all injured, they their depth chart, you know, you get the two deep, everybody wants. They got 15 positions listed. I've never seen a defense list 15 different. You know, I know offenses sometimes might list you know, 12 or 13, because you got three wide sets, you got four wide sets, you got maybe two backs. You know, that's kind of the way the game is going now. But defensively, you know, maybe they'd list 12 like a nickelback or something as a as a start. They have 15 different positions. So, like I say, they've got about three or four different schemes. So they'll probably not play all, all the defenses. The, the problem is you don't know which ones they're going to pick. You know, which one we're not going to know to end the game. You know, are they, are they four down? Are they going to be the three down? Are they going to be the – Three linebacker stack, three down. They're going to be the three, four. They got a they got a lot of different defenses, and we're to that point in the season where you have a lot of film on them, which is good. But you can drive yourself crazy because then you can sometimes just get the chasing ghost and get to doing. God, they got so many things. So in the end, we always kind of study it, and study it, and work our way back to who are we, what do we do good. Let's, let's just make sure we, we don't change, and we'll, we'll run our stuff. All right, Donnie Kirkpatrick, last thing from him here. He talks about the improvement of Holton Aylers and uh, raised a few eyebrows around Pirate Nation and beyond with this. You know, Holton's done a really, really good job this year in the RPO game of taking the run when the run is there and taking the pass when the pass is there. And not that he hadn't done a good job the other years, but there were times he forced it. You know, I used to always say Holton's issue is he's used to having to do it all or feels that way, and he's not done that nearly as much this year. He's let the other guys 
do some of the heavy lifting, and he's kind of orchestrated it. And that's what a good quarterback does. He's a great quarterback. Right now, he's best in the country. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. So, Well, hey, I, and I know a lot of people are making some comments or snide remarks, and, and then you got to consider when it comes from the cesspool of Twitter or on the message boards and all that. But I, I will say this. Holt Naylor's was dynamite Saturday night. If that version of Holt Naylor shows up Friday and shows up two weeks from Friday and shows up against Houston on senior day and in Philadelphia and in the bowl game, the pirates will be playing in uh, undoubtedly if, if that version shows up. And even if there's a chance to play in the AAC championship game, if you, in other words, if for the remaining uh, for the remaining games that the pirates have this season, Anywhere from uh, four, likely five, maybe six, then East Carolina is going to be in a position to really, really have a special year, and he will be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. He's got two great receivers. He's got an explosive running game, and he's got an offensive line that's doing the things necessary to allow him to to have the time to, to deliver passes. And... I think they've done some. They've made some tweaks and done a few things different schematically to kind of play to the strengths of this team. And and Ailers, look when Hale, when Holt Ailers makes decisive decisions, he's a fabulous quarterback. We can talk about should he run a little more. I, you know, I think obviously that shoulder, the non-throwing shoulders, banged up to the point that probably has hampered some of that. But it all comes down to, can the Pirates run the football and will Ehlers be decisive in what he is going through? If he is, and the running game is going, on offense, ECU can put up a lot of points in this league, and I, and I think they can have some success Friday night against BYU. All right, that is today's uh, Pirate Report. Of course, those are all big ifs. That is today's Pirate Report. We're going to uh, grab a break, and we'll come back. Uh, excited to have Wes Durham on. We'll talk some... Uh, NFL football and some college football and basketball with the voice of the ACC, uh, the great West Durham on the other side of this timeout on the Patrick Johnson Voice of the ACC, West Durham, busy man, busy, busy guy that West Durham, also the voice of the Falcons, he's with us here. Uh, this afternoon on the Patrick Johnson Show. And it's always a treat to talk to you, Wes, because I, I think uh, not only do I admire you professionally, but you're so smart on a lot of these things with college athletics. So it's it's always good to, to get your hot takes on them. Uh, Patrick, <laughs> I appreciate the uh, opportunity to visit with you. I, I don't know how hot they are. They may be following <laughs> in line with a lot of other people, but always good to visit with you, my man. Yeah, well, n- nice of you to, to, to come on with us. Uh, let, let's... Uh, Get a little bit of uh, the NFL work that you do out of uh, out, out, okay. out of the way, but up first here because Panther. We, we obviously pay close attention to the Panthers. We'll sure. talk to our guy Jim Zoki tomorrow, uh, and uh, Carolina. I tell you what, these fickle Carolina fans, Wes. They just you know they they beat Tom Brady virtually, shut down Tampa Bay, <laughs> and they're saying yeah. we can't even tank right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it's it, it's weird in the NFL, and I have to, you know, I get a very, I'm very blessed to have the seat on Saturday doing the college game, and on Sunday doing the NFL. But it also gets really intriguing when you start to see a little bit of the the crossover, at least as it relates to coaching and organizational collateral. Sometimes, um, I, I find what's going on in Charlotte to be really interesting because 
the the post Cam Newton. Okay, no matter what you think of Cam and his ability to get them to Super Bowl Fifty, the post Cam Newton now that is coming up on seven years from the Super Bowl trip, right, is has been really really rocky for the Panthers. And the element that I think is facing that organization through the ownership change, through some of the other things that are going on, is that you got to get the core elements right. And sometimes, like the college game, here's where the here's where the comparison goes. Sometimes, like the college game, it requires some patience. And um, some of these guys who own NFL teams, and I would certainly put Mr. Tupper in that quality, uh, in that silo, so to speak, of, of type person sometimes their patience not very not very long you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. look I I get it with Matt Rule um I thought it was an interesting hire didn't say good or bad just thought it was an interesting hire right I knew he had some experience at that level knew he had done obviously great work at Temple and at Baylor as a head coach but didn't get very long and this is a production business at the highest level um, I do realize that more than, than most because I've been fortunate to, to do these games for 19 years in Atlanta. But Patrick, I'll tell you this now: it's it's a it's an man. It is raw when it gets to the core, yeah. like it's getting in Charlotte, and to a degree, what it did in Atlanta a couple of years ago when they fired Dan Quinn and elected to go with Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot in the full rebuild here. And Atlanta's kind of working their way through that. Carolina has had moments of working their way through it, but I'm not sure on the whole they've been able to maintain any kind of continuity. And that's the frustrating part, I'm sure, for the fan base as much as anything else. The great Wes Durham, voice of the ACC, also uh, ESPN College Football and uh, the Atlanta Falcons on their radio broadcast. Who's going to win? I mean, there's still a a ton of season left. So who sure. emerges out of this NFC South? <laughs> uh, you know, nobody really wanting to, to, no, you go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, it's the old NFC South all over or NFC East all over again in many ways. Yeah. What can we say here that would come back to haunt us? Right. In uh, <laughs> in about five weeks, yeah. um, I would say this. I, look, I think that if Tampa loses Thursday night <laughs> and, and it was funny, I was with the and Jim Zoki and Eugene on Monday night on their show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim's the one that reminded me in the conversation, hey, Wes, if Tampa loses to the Ravens on Thursday night, the Panthers and Falcons are playing for first place in the NFC East. Woof. <laughs> yeah, showstopper, right? Um, so so let, me, let me put it to you like this. The winner of Sunday is going to be in the driver's seat. Right. But how long, how long they get to drive? is really debatable. Um, well, who's got the best talent? Who's got the best situation? Oh, Tampa. Tampa's okay. got the best talent. Yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're not even – I mean, when healthy, that is the best football right. team in the division. Right. But here's where, here's where we are on this. And, and I, I feel pretty confident in saying this. Um, nobody is going to um, – there's only one team that's going to come out of this division. We're not getting the wild card this year. This is going to be a one-horse town – <laughs> in the NFC South, we've we've had a couple of years where it's been uh, where it's been a little different, but this is going to be a one horse town. I feel I feel really confident in uh, in saying that. All right, that. for entertainment purposes only, seven and a half wins, over or under. Wins the division. Uh, no, I think it's going to take. It, it'll be an over. Okay, it'll be an over. Yeah, not, it, not, I think it's going to take eight, eight okay. or nine to uh, probably to probably get this done. Someone may get there. That's the intrigue. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. Yeah. Um, I mean, somebody look there. This is not the only division that's going to have this issue. I mean, you know, we've started out. I, I don't know how often you guys get into the minutia of this thing, but you know, through the first four weeks, mm-hmm. we had um, we had the closest margin of victory. Yeah. In like the last twenty five years in the NFL, among every game. I mean, it's just it's just been kind of nuts the way this whole thing's gone. So. You know, good for the league in that light, for sure. Okay. I, I was going to ask, is that a, but isn't it better if the league's got a dominant one or two? Oh, no question. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. But I think you have to, I think you have to understand that this league still has so much value to it. Oh, yeah. Because of the competitive balance. And, and Rich McKay, who's the Falcons president and CEO, does a terrific job as co-chair of the competition committee. And, we're fortunate on our broadcast. He's he's with us every week before the game starts. Oh wow! Okay. For about a fifteen minute segment, and we talk about some of the things like this in the league. And I mean, obviously, we've talked about the whole Tua Tagovailoa thing, mm-hmm, and the, mm-hmm. you know, focus on roughing the passer, and how you know abstract that's been at times. And there are all sorts of different little uh, nuances about it. But right now, you could argue. I mean, you know, you get a passionate argument. I'm sure from some longtime loyalist of the league. That this product line. Now there've been some bad games. Just look at Thursday nights, but um, there are right now more competitive games in the NFL than, than probably we've seen in a long time. Yeah. If you had to, with with the 10, 11 weeks, whatever it is left, uh, who are your front runners? NFC, whoever rises there, and I mean, I guess it's it's Buffalo and Kansas City, and however that hashes out, I suppose. Well, I'm going to take Buffalo. I'm going to take Buffalo for sure in the AFC. I just think that's the that's a better that's a better football team top to bottom both sides than just about anybody else. I think the NFC is going to be wide. I like Philadelphia. Uh, Nick Sirianni deserves a tremendous amount of credit. He's doing it in a tough market. Um, I, I will share with you that I am uh, I'm kind of interested to see what happens in the Green Bay yeah. world. Um, yeah. That that. There, there's some issues there, uh, much like I think there are in Tampa, that are that have nothing to do with X's and O's. Um, well, are they quarterback issues I'll, in both instances? Nah, I think that you know the long goodbye sometimes is hard, um, <laughs> and we're getting to the long goodbye. And Tom Brady's 44, so we're really getting to the long goodbye. Um, but the long goodbye is hard. And I mean, unfortunately, we we saw it earlier this week in Indianapolis with Matt Ryan. Right. I mean, it's it's tough, and sometimes it's circumstances beyond your control. And I would say this in Indianapolis and in Green Bay, I'm not sure there are circumstances that Aaron Rodgers can control as much as he has controlled circumstances there before. Sure. With Matt, I was going to ask you about Matt Ryan. What what is sure? You know, and that's a situation where maybe in Atlanta he's let down a little easier maybe he would have gotten the benefit of the doubt in indianapolis i mean stone cold they demoted him to third inactive and they don't care what he did in atlanta yeah no they are um that's a that is a scenario in indianapolis where they brought him in now frank reich uh, appropriately said this the coach of the colts we didn't do anything to help that line yeah and that's a fact I mean, the offensive line, which was supposed to be one of their strong points, has been five highway pylons. I mean, it's it's been bad. Um, and their run game has been non-existent. And that's the bigger issue, quite frankly, 
or Indianapolis because the one weakness they had on offense, I thought Ryan could overcome, and that was inexperienced at wide receiver. And I really liked kind of where they were going. And then Jonathan Taylor got hurt at running back, and their offensive line was yeah. dreadful. And it was a top three line a year ago with Carson Wentz, who was posting very pedestrian numbers at quarterback there. All right, I want to stop it there. Uh, Wes Durham will be on the call, of course, of Panthers, Falcons for the Falcons Radio Network, and uh, some good stuff with the NFL there. We'll get into some of the ACC and some of the college uh, football talk, college basketball uh, talk, some more off the floor and off the field things with Wes uh, coming up. But let's get a break right now. More with Wes Durham after this update and a break. Here's Ben Byram. Thanks, Patrick. ECU Basketball's Minji's Madness is being held tonight at Minji's Coliseum. Gates open at 6.30 and the event starts at 7 o'clock and it's free to the public. Be sure to tune in. The ECU women's and men's basketball team will hold a live scrimmage in front of fans as well as a dunk contest and a three-point contest. Giveaways and much more. Be sure to check it out. Gates open at 6.30. The event starts at 7 o'clock. The Panthers are making some moves ahead of their Week 8 matchup against the Falcons. Defensive end Henry Anderson was placed on the NFI list will miss at least the next four weeks. The team also signed quarterback Tay Hayes and offensive lineman Larnell Coleman. The 2-5 and five Panthers play the 3-4 and four Falcons in Atlanta on Sunday. A star player on the Panthers defense will not be traded for a low return. ESPN reports the team turned down two first-round picks for Brian Burns. The Panthers also unwilling to trade DJ Moore, cornerback J.C. Horn, and defensive tackle Derek Brown. Burns was named to his first Pro Bowl last season. The first college basketball coaches poll has been released, and the North Carolina Tar Heels are atop the rankings. The Tar Heels received 23 first-place votes after finishing last season as the runner-up in the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, and the defending national champ Kansas Jayhawks round out the rest of the top five. After making it to the Final Four, the Duke Blue Devils are ranked eighth in the country. A pair of 2-1 teams will go at it tonight when the Hornets play the Knicks in New York. Charlotte is coming off a 126-109 win against the Hawks over the weekend. New York recently beat the Magic 115-102. And the Hurricanes are back in action on Friday when they play the Islanders in Raleigh. The team lost two of three games on their trip to Canada. The Canes are now 4-1-1 on the season. That's going to do it for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Byram. This 94 Through the Game Sports Update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting Pirate student-athletes. For more information on how to donate, go to teamboneyard.org. On the other side of the quick timeout, we hear more from West Durham with Patrick Johnson right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Wes Durham is uh, the voice of the ACC and uh, ACC Network. You'll catch him on there. What what uh, college game you got this week? Uh, I'm ex- uh, we've got uh, 3.30 start in Louisville. Um, Eric McClain's coming out of the studio is going to work with me. And okay. We've got Wake Forest at Louisville. Oh. Um, which, actually, I am, uh, got to be honest with you, Patrick, I'm pretty excited about. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the work Dave Clawson has done. And... Um, Looking forward to uh, kind of seeing what that team looks like and and how it's uh, how it's on the hoof this year. I've, I've watched tape. In fact, uh, you and I are talking. I've just finished up watching a third game of them. And golly, Sam Hartman! I tell you, between Sam Hartman and Drake May, mm-hmm. the state of North Carolina, with Devin Leary unfortunately on the shelf and Riley Leonard at Duke emerging as a talent, um, 
And I'm not forgetting Holt Naylor's, by the way, at uh, at ECU. Yeah, he's playing well. Played well the other night. He is playing well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The the state of North Carolina, as it relates to the ACC, has got two of the best high-profile quarterbacks. And then I know Ehlers has had a terrific year at SS Chase Bryce at at Appalachia. But the idea of quarterback play in in a state like that right now is, is pretty strong. Do you think Dave Clawson is, I mean, is this a long haul? Is he there? in Winston-Salem or does somebody maybe in the Big Ten or somewhere else scoop him up and and look you got to give the Wake contingency Ben Sutton and others uh, kind of credit because they decided a few years ago are we going to take this seriously or are we just going to show up and and count down the days to basketball in the fall yeah no I think what your point there is correct I Number one, I would tell you this. I think what has happened at uh, at Wake Forest is a cross-the-board level commitment to athletic success. And it needs to be recognized as such. Football is the beneficiary of it uh, because I think you mentioned Ben, Bob McCreary, Mitch Shaw, yeah. mm-hmm. and hundreds of other contributors who maybe not as high profile from an alumni standpoint um, who are also involved in this resurgence, but also this too. Uh, I know Dr. Wente is now the president at Wake Forest, but it is a, it is a pretty much a textbook alignment. And I would say this, I think Ron Wellman laid a great base there, but Dr. Wente, who followed Dr. Hatch as the president there, the alignment between the president, the athletic director, and in Dave's case, the football coach, Patrick, shows you just what it can do when it is, when it is like it is. And don't don't ever lose sight of that. The most successful programs in this country. Now it's easy to say Alabama's in alignment, right? Okay, right. It's easy to say Georgia's in alignment. It's easy to say Clemson's in alignment. But I can tell you at Clemson, Jim Clements, the president, and Boo Cargan, certainly the athletic director, and Dave Dorn. That's why they've been successful. I mean, uh, Dabo Sweeney. That's yeah. why they've been successful because of Graham Neff, the AD, Jim Clements, the president, and Dabo Sweeney. I was also thinking of it. So I said Dave Dorn. And Boo Cargan, I'm thinking of it at NC State, and it's happened in a different light at NC State because it's the long run to success. And even though they've been sidetracked with injuries and things like that this year, you can see where that alignment has paid off for NC State to have continuous success. In fact, I think, you know, I, we don't know how this season's going to end, and obviously they got a big one Thursday night, but the idea that, you know, you don't have that alignment. You're not going to succeed. And I, I, here's here's another thing for you. I think you're getting ready to see it too. Yeah. I think you um, – because I think Nina King, following Kevin White, understood Kevin's book on success. And I think Vince Price, the president at Duke, and I know Mike Elko. And you've had it for years in basketball there. Not that you didn't have it with David Cutcliffe, but I think the, the volatile landscape of college football in particular the last five years – has stressed that we have that alignment at all three levels. And, and Packer and I used to say it on the show, Mark has always been subscribed to this. If you don't have that alignment, you're going to be in real trouble. And I think there are a lot of institutions right now where you're starting to see it take right. shape. Uh, we've got Wes Durham with us uh, here. Uh, it, it is the case at Greenville now, and I think you're starting to see the fruits of that labor in football uh, with, with a really, right. really good win against UCF. Uh a very talented UCF team this past uh, Saturday. Sure. Right, with the ACC championship game, Charlotte, first weekend, December, are the best two teams going to be in that game? Uh, if it's Carolina and Clemson, it will. Ooh, okay. See, I think it'd be Wake and Clemson are the best two in the league. Well, they may be. 
I mean, but if Carolina – Carolina, Wake Forest, in watching some of the tape, I'm a little concerned. And here's the only thing I'll share with you, and I haven't talked to Dave Clawson specifically yet, and I won't until Friday. The only hesitation I have, they, they clearly can move the football. Mm-hmm. But when they have to run the football, what's that going to look like? Yeah. And maybe it's because of fronts and things like that. But, you know, the other day against Boston College, they really didn't have much of a run game. It was almost all predicated on their ability to throw. And here's the other thing, too. I don't want to underestimate the job Brad Lambert's done coming in as their new defensive coordinator. But it's going to be really interesting to watch. I think Wake Forest, Carolina, and Clemson. Uh, and I wouldn't take Syracuse out of the mix yet. Um, but I think that's a, they've had a really talented year, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say Carolina and Clemson um, in the in the last year divisions. Let's have a little argument about it, right? I mean, next year we're going to get this thing, you know, finally right in terms of right, you know, the best teams and the best chance for long term success and a third team in the playoff, but our third team in the in the New Year's Six. I, I just see that I think Carolina and Clemson right now offensively give you the best chance for. A high level game. I, Wake Forest certainly is a talented team, though. Don't get me wrong. Right. But right. best team, uh, man. I mean, Carolina, I saw Carolina do both things against Duke, and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how they handle a really headline defense on Saturday night against Pitt, too. They may have the best quarterback in the conference, too, right now. So that's. Yeah. That's I, look, I, the, the Drake May Sam, I mean, it, it's down to the. Uh, and I've had a band of Canada four times at Pitt, right? And I had the. Yeah. 320-yard game against Virginia Tech a couple of weeks ago. and I'll say this. I, I think Drake May and Sam Hartman are not only the two best quarterbacks in the ACC, I think they might be two of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. Um, given what they do and, and the level they – in May is a I – mean, I got a chance to see Mark play, and I've seen Luke shoot jump shots and all this other stuff. I mean, Drake is like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> I mean – he is, and I had a guy tell me, I was in Mobile, Alabama last Thursday night doing a Sunbelt game. And I had a guy come up and tell me in Mobile, Alabama, who works for a team in the National Football League, that if he were eligible this year, it wouldn't, he wouldn't last 10 picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, settle in because we, we got at least one more year of that, maybe more. All right. We've got uh, Wes Durham with us here. Uh, there's the, the rev share situation in the ACC. Sure. Yeah. How much fire is there to that smoke? Oh, I look. I I think it's a big deal, Patrick. I mean, I'm not that guy. I mean, I'm I'm a realist in this. Okay. Um, for me, I would tell you that I think they have to come up with a solution. Um, this is a business. Okay. First, let me clarify this for you know people who. Are, are listening, there's no more letter jackets and homecoming dances in this business. They still stage those events. Right. <laughs> but it's not that kind of thing anymore, all right? Um, you know, alumni mixer after the game type banner. Um, I uh, I would say this. I, I think the business of college athletics has changed so dynamically now that when we start talking about money that starts with a B and not an M, um we have to be cognizant of every every possible revenue generator. So I do believe revenue sharing has got to probably be studied a little bit. Um, it, it's it's really unique. I mean, and it, it's it's hard road because here's the other part about this. 
and you you know what I mean by this, and I think people that follow college athletics do. There, there's some institutions that I think nationally at this level, FBS, mm-hmm. that are a little uncomfortable with what the the methodology is right now. I mean, the idea that you have an 18 year old student who's going to come to your campus on full scholarship to do something potentially making anywhere from high five to low six figures. Okay. For name, image, and likeness. That, that kind of is an invert to the principal process of why they're coming. Right. You follow me? I mean, the the objective here and the purpose is, but we're past that. We're way past that. Well, we're way past it. And there's still some schools that are like going, wait a second. We're, you know, there's always that, that portion of a campus that's uncomfortable with these type things. And I get that. But on some campuses, that percentage is a little higher and a little louder than on others. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting to is while we talk about, you know, revenue distribution and things like that, and I know it's been written about a lot in the News and Observer here in the last week or so because of Jim Phillips and those pending fall AD meetings and media deals and all sorts of things. There's still some pieces to this that I think are a little tricky in the bigger picture. And as we move forward in the next three to five years on some things, expansion of the playoff, all this type, you know, we got the NCAA now talking about adding teams to the basketball tournament. So we can have another week, you know, add one more week to where, you know, people care about college basketball. But doesn't that screw with that event so much or screw up that event so much that it, it would lose some of its luster. I mean, no question because at, at some point, if I'm a fan of a middling big 10 team, I don't want to watch them play another game. I understand that, but here's, here's kind of where I would go with it. Now, this is not a very popular opinion. Okay. I'm going to be, this is the hot take. That. We're in the hot take territory with Western. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, America really only cares about college basketball right now for three and a half weeks. Yeah. Okay. So I would tell you that if we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump down the, uh, we're going to go down this path, um, then we need to be awfully careful at the way we're projecting college basketball. In other words, we're, we're going to expand an NCAA tournament to put money in whose pocket? Who we, who we, I mean, we're going to expand it to give money to who? Right. Division yeah. two, division three. No. No offense to like Conference USA, you know, one bid leagues like Big South, Southern Conference, things of that nature. I'm not trying to diminish those leagues. They're great basketball leagues. But where where are we going with this extra money? Because I can tell you that 15 years ago that basketball money was being allotted to Division II skiing championships so they could have a video board. Right. So if that's what we're doing, then we need. We it also goes back to, and this is you. We don't have enough time for this today <laughs> because you don't. Your show's not long enough. Um, even my segment's not long enough. Your show's not long enough. The entire reform of the National Collegiate Athletic Association and and what all that means, and our automatic answer to this is expand the basketball tournament. It's because they don't control football. That organization has no say-so in the football market. Right. And they want to see if they can get a cut of the pie of the money that's available in college athletics. But isn't, doesn't that onus sort of fall back on the conference in some ways to other conferences individually? I mean, shouldn't they sort of 
be in control of their own financial destinies by doing. I mean, yeah, but you're you're technically still a member. Yeah. Of the organization here. Okay. And as a member of the, or, you remember, remember every time Mark Emmert was ever asked a probing question that deserved an answer, well, we'll have to talk to the membership. <laughs> yeah. Well, the membership is three hundred odd schools in Division One basketball with all different it's actually circumstances all, and all goals. I mean, it's that, no question. Yeah. 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 And that's and again, I'll just say that's where this becomes a problem. That's that's where it becomes a problem is when you get back to that level. So, I understand it, but it's it's still a. I mean, St. Francis of New York and St. Francis of PA are two different schools. There you go. <laughs> well, we'll have to leave it there. It's always Wes. Thank you so much for the time. I know you're busy, but this is just great. no problem. Pat. Always enjoy. Always good to catch up, man. Tell everybody there hello. We'll do, Wes. Thank you. The great West Durham. All right, we will be back to wrap things up after this uh, timeout on the PJ Show. It's a nice day to start again. Yes, yes, I know, I know. Thank you. Uh, we'll we'll uh, have the Blake Harrell comments tomorrow. Wanted to save those over for uh, then. We're also going to have with us uh, Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network tomorrow. And one thing I was remiss in certainly not mentioning, and it's uh, certainly something that I uh, want to make sure we mention now, but at 7 o'clock tonight, it is uh, Minji's Madness for both men's basketball and women's basketball. We'll have uh, people there covering it for our social media, so turn to 94.3 The Game on Facebook and at 94.3 The Game on Twitter. We'll have everything you need to know there. I just wanted you to know that. Should have mentioned it earlier. My bad. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Thanks to Western for being on today. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to all of our staff for their great work. And we'll see you 5 o'clock Thursday for the PJ Show.